0: Hello and welcome to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. Um, But this is something we got to build towards people. This is not something that is going to come on a horizon. Um, We have to work day in and day out, we have to organize, we have to talk to people. We have to figure out what we can do to help each other. We have to try to help each other, not just in words, but in actions. And this is how one day the revolution will come. But until that day, welcome back to In Defense of Liberation. I am your host, Josh. And uh, if you haven't listened to the previous episode before this, uh, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, I'll wait nice to have you back. Um, I am doing a follow-up to that because I feel like there was much more that I wanted to talk about, um, that I got rambling about other shit, which I tend to do. Y'all listen to the show, so that's your fault. Um, But yeah, so I'm going to be doing a follow-up to a critique of the left in the United States um, because I think that we need to start seriously having these conversations. Something's wrong. We cannot get organized. We cannot get people on our side. The ideology isn't there. The anti-communist rhetoric and action within the United States is incredible, even from within the left. Um, And obviously, this is something that needs to be struggled against. It needs to be discussed. We need to try to find out how we can resolve that. And I'm not saying that my conversation here is going to do that. But, you know, if I had someone here to talk to, we would be talking about it. Um, But ultimately, I just want to share what's on my mind. And, you know, you can kind of take that and digest that. And, you know, tell me what you feel about it. Or tell your friends what you feel about it. Talk to your comrades about it. Like, I'm just sharing my ideas. Um, Last time we talked about kind of a lot of the different issues that seem to cause separation, seem to cause factionalism within the left. Um, And that, you know, is a big, big topic that we need to reckon with because ultimately that is one of the main things that is going wrong in the United States is we do not have a unified left. We do not have an active communist party. We do not have organizations that are openly calling for revolution that have mass support. And that is the only way that we can actually see something like this through is by bringing those ideas, bringing that revolutionary fervor, bringing the ideological understandings to the masses. Now, a lot of people do this in a very condescending way. A lot of Western leftists have very rigid um, perspectives, very rigid understandings of the world. And so when they say something that is disagreed with or they say something that somebody doesn't know about, they get an attitude about themselves because, well, they know best. And if you don't know this, you're just stupid. And not for nothing, but Western leftists really need to realize all of the privilege that we have. We get to sit here and record these podcasts and talk about revolution while people have to fight for revolution on a day-to-day basis, what is happening now at the Red Lake Treaty Camp uh, in Minnesota? What is happening all over the world with different immigrant struggles? What is happening here in the United States with the Black Brown, uh, Black and Brown liberation movements? Uh, what is being done in the way of the feminist movement, anti-capitalist movements? All of these different movements they don't really connect somehow somehow we are able to separate the black and brown struggle from the feminist struggle and also separate that from the immigrant struggle and yet somehow we're also going to separate that from the indigenous struggle but all of these people all of these non-privileged folks have to exist in a world where they're living is directly conflicting with the overall worldview. When black folks exist, become successful, are able to fight to try to liberate themselves, work towards helping each other like the Black Panther Party did, they are demonized. They are called terrorists. And ultimately, COINTELPRO, a massive operation, which we do not know if it has been ended or not. I would assume not. But this is a massive operation which saw multiple dozens of Black Panther Party members and leaders killed. Fred Hampton at 21 in his bed next to his pregnant wife. So yeah, we are lucky to be able to come on here, record a podcast, and not feel threatened whatsoever to talk about revolution. Because there are places, the United States is one of them, where certain people talk about revolution and end up dead. So we have to take that in mind when we are, you know, criticizing these different groups that we feel didn't do enough, criticizing individuals for not being to the point of ideological understanding as us. This is not how we grow the movement. This is not how we build any kind of leftist unity. This is not how we show solidarity, and this is definitely not how we build a successful socialist revolution. One of the main things that faces communists, anarchists, and socialists alike in the United States and most capitalist countries is the ideological separation between the ideas of us and the ideas of the broad masses. Now... If you were raised in the United States and you are a communist, you are a Marxist, an anarchist, or a socialist, you probably have had to, you know, we could say deinstall or break down your early education to show yourself really what you were taught wrong, to try to combat the misinformation and the propaganda you were taught your whole life. And this is a difficult task. Nobody, nobody should bat an eye at this. Um, and it's something that it, if you do not completely break down all of your prior propagandized ideas, we see folks on the left, um, especially anarchists and folks who call themselves socialists and say, well, I'm a socialist, but not a communist, um, these folks still have a lot of anti-communist propaganda within their mind um and these folks ultimately feel that there's no need for them to break that down now that confuses me right and i want to say this without being biased and i want to say this without shitting on anybody because the time for that is not now especially not in the united states um but these different groups of people who still have this anti-communist, anti-Marxist mentality, where do you get that information from? And what is it that that information and your spouting of anti-communist rhetoric, what does that do to advance your struggle? What does that do to bring people closer to wanting to fight for socialism or wanting to become anarchists because ultimately if you you know if you look at why we have these conversations if you look at why we are trying to struggle between these ideas is because ultimately we are trying to come up with a solution to change the material reality we live in now if you're spouting off anti-communist rhetoric anti-marxist rhetoric you're just playing ball you're just doing the old, you know, American, it's, it's the pastime of America, right? Baseball, no. Anti-communism, yes. It's ridiculous how many so-called leftists are on the side of the oppressor when it comes to discussions of communism and Marxism. It's like, really hard to understand where you people are, like, what it is that you folks are trying to achieve. And how you feel fighting with your comrades, fighting with people who you disagree with based off of misinformation that you work with, um, based off of a, uh, a complete misunderstanding of reality. And I say a complete misunderstanding of reality because a lot of what you hear is like, well, look at how the Soviet Union fell, or look at all these atrocities that the Bolsheviks committed, or... Look at Mao and what, you know, they did to different groups who they disagreed with. And, like, the worldview that is there is a purist and uh, moral viewpoint of the world that we live in. Now, if you're looking at the struggle for communism from a point of purism... You're expecting every single person who participates, every single leader, every single organization or party, every single action or movement or, or, you know, you expect all of these to succeed, to not commit any kind of mistakes, to not do anything that you disagree with. But yet you are not on the ground with them struggling for those things. And if that is the case, well, then I hate to tell you this, my friend, but they don't give a shit about what you have to say. And not for nothing, they shouldn't. Because a bunch of us armchair philosophers, myself included, have a lot of great critiques of these different uh, you know, communist movements, a lot of these different socialist and national liberation revolutions. But we don't want to understand that Mistakes will be made. Mistakes are made by you on a day-to-day basis. And if they aren't, well, thanks for coming back, Jesus. I wish you would do something. um, Like build a socialist revolution. So we have an ideological uh, separation between members of the left. We have an ideological separation between the broad masses and those trying to build towards socialism those trying to build towards revolution we have a separation between the way that we see the world the way that we understand things work the way that we think things need to change and how we feel that needs to be done now this is a problem Because when you have disorganization, when you have disunity like this, nothing can be accomplished, as we see here in the United States, with nothing being accomplished. Ultimately, you have groups all over the country who are trying to do a lot of different things. And this is the problem, is there should be no separation between the black and brown liberation struggles immigrant struggles, indigenous struggles, women and feminist struggles, trans struggles. None of these th- none of these things should be separated into their distinctions other than for the fact to recognize that these individual groups of people each suffer oppression in a different way and that does not disclude any one of their sufferings. We have to fight for the end of oppression for every single person on this earth, regardless of our agreement with the way that they live their lives, unless the way they are living their lives is threatening other people's ability to live their own lives freely. Now, this is one of those points where we have an ideological separation. I just used the word free. That has a completely different connotation within a socialist framework than it does within a capitalist, and especially an American, United States context. I do not mean freedom in the sense that you understand it today. I mean freedom in the way that you should not have to worry about being able to go to a doctor and affording whatever procedure you need done. You should not be having to focus solely on your career and your job for mere survival. You should be able to live your life as a human being, work for sustenance, sustenance, but ultimately Each one of the human beings on this earth has absolutely no reason that they should not be guaranteed food, they should not be guaranteed housing as a human right, they should be guaranteed healthcare, they should be guaranteed full employment. All of these things, there's no reason why human beings on this earth cannot have them other than the fact that somebody owns these things, somebody profits off of these issues, and therefore will not relinquish or change that because then they, you know, get rid of the benefits and things that were helping them. Um, another ideological separation that I see quite often is this, you know, want to have a revolution, this want to overthrow capitalism, this want to install a new reality, socialism, socialism. Etc. But yet, we want to do it electorally. We want to do it grassroots and try to just build up a you know group of people that is just gonna do a bunch of you know marches to Washington, bunch of protests, bunch of small mutual aid stuff. These things do not change the reality. They are not revolutionary. What is revolutionary is actively overthrowing a power structure. What is revolutionary is building robust connections of collectivized labor, food, etc., which then through different mediums, different councils, different groups of workers and poor folks, different community organizations, different neighborhood parties can go through and disseminate how that food, how that housing, how that land gets handed out amongst themselves after they realize and are educated about why it is that this is happening. You cannot expect that you could have a revolution without telling the people about why the revolution is happening, without convincing the broad masses of the necessity for that revolution, and expect that revolution to succeed. These are the way in which that we need to be thinking about these things. We can't be so simplistic in our ideas. You know, there's people who think we're all gonna, you know, a group of maybe 20 or 30 of us like in Cuba or like in Vietnam are gonna pick up the gun and just go at it and win. And now... As a Maoist who really believes in the theory of protracted people's war, I would love to be able to say that I disagree with that, that I think that that could succeed. But I think without the connection to the masses and with the immense militarization on top of the already accepted anti communist, anti socialist, anti Marxist rhetoric, there's no way we could succeed without, you know, really taking up. A long, 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 long time, which I know we shouldn't try to put this on a timeline and expect that it's going to be done in a certain amount of time. I do think that we are kidding ourselves if we think we have all the time in the world. That is especially not true for the uh, honest. No, geez. The uh, folks in Minnesota, I, I feel bad. I wanted to pronounce the nation name, but I, I, I don't believe that I remember it correctly. So I, I don't want to be rude or you know, kind of offensive there. But uh, the people who are at the Red Lake Treaty Camp, the people who are fighting for water, fighting for air, purity, to be able to have clean drinking water, to be able to have air, which we can breathe in and not get sick from. These people are telling us we do not have a lot of time. And if we ignore them as we always have, what better are we than the oppressors who are taking their water, who are destroying the air, who are getting indigenous activists arrested, injured, and killed? How much different are we from them if we choose to ignore the struggles of our indigenous comrades? How do we ignore the struggles for the protection of mother earth and call ourselves communists and Marxists and socialists. This is a new struggle. This is the world's largest struggle that we have been a part of. This is for the survival of our very home planet. And yet we cannot even get the broad masses to believe that climate crisis is something that deserved, deserves to be fought against. Uh, and most people to some extent still don't even believe climate change is a real thing. And climate change is only one of the problems that is being created. The ecological collapse that we are living in is a major, major threat to human life, to animal life, and to the ability to live on this planet Earth. And just because Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson are going out into space like a bunch of fucking billionaire dickheads doesn't mean whatever they build up there is going to be for us. If y'all have watched the hundreds, that is the closest thing to what I think, you know, any kind of space colony would look like for the broad masses of people. We would be left on the earth to suffer and die while these rich motherfuckers have a nice little pod up in space that's, you know, orbiting around the earth so that they can look down and point at the poor people dying and laugh to themselves while they have, you know, brunch together. This is the reality that we're facing and ultimately we cannot expect that that reality is going to be changed by nonviolent actions. That reality is not going to change by petition or fundraiser or small mutual aid efforts. We cannot pull the broad masses out of oppression, out of racism, out of poverty, out of poor health and poor education, through these minuscule and meaningless strategies, tactics, which, outside of a revolutionary movement, an action to overthrow the actual reality, to change the material conditions, anything other than that where we try to protest where we try to have petitions, is ultimately devoid of any threat. Our oppressors do not care if we're out in the street with a bunch of signs because guess what they do? Shoot us. They don't care. We have to understand here that things like, you know, the struggle for socialism cannot be done in a non-violent way. And this is an ideological separation that we have to come to a conclusion on and we have to come to a unified conclusion on. Otherwise, some people will get killed. Some people will be sent to prison. Others won't do a goddamn thing and nothing will change. We have seen this for 100, 150 years all over the world. In Britain, in Germany, in France, in Belgium, in Poland, in all of these countries which had true Soviets true communist parties they didn't do anything they didn't do anything they haven't had successful proletarian revolutions and why is this why is this these are the questions we need to ask and this is what we need to look at we have to look at the years of struggle the years of organization the years of attempts to overthrow the way in which the world works and we have to look at their failures we have to look at why they didn't do what they needed to do We have to study why it is that historically, this led to this, and then these people misled those folks, and then we ended up here, and this is why this thing happened, instead of just going, oh, well, the Bolsheviks killed the Romanov family and killed the children, so ultimately, the Bolsheviks should get no support from me, because murder of children, well, that's a really bad thing. Oh, yeah? What about the murder of all the residential children? What about all the indigenous kids that had to go to residential schools and all the graves that we're finding right now? Huge trigger warning, but not for nothing, what about all the kids who are starving right now that are dying from lack of health care? What about all the children locked up in the foster care system that have no support, that have no love, that have no hope for a different world? What about all the children who go to school and that's the only meal that they have? What are we doing about these things? And if you want to turn around and say, 100 years ago, I don't like what the Bolsheviks did, well, guess what? There's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. And if you're basing your theories of communism, of Marxism, off of things that happened a 100 years ago and not taking a dialectical analysis of history, not taking a materialist analysis of where we are today in our concrete material conditions and trying to figure out how to put certain actions that you do agree with, into play, then I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the things that you think the Bolsheviks, that you think the Vietnamese, that you think the Chinese did wrong, because guess what? You weren't there, and you're not doing a goddamn thing now, so I don't want to hear it. And ultimately, if you can't get down with the struggle If you can't get down with the violence that comes from trying to overthrow an oppressive, capitalist, imperialist, and fascist regime of the world bourgeoisie, then you, my friend, are the enemy. And I don't give a shit. You, my friend, are incapable of coming to clear, material understanding of the world around you. And that is 100% not your fault. But if you call yourself a leftist, if you say you want to see socialism, If you're fighting to try to install some form of anarchist reality and you're supporting these anti-communist and anti-Marxist rhetorics and actions, then you are the enemy. You are incapable of understanding how you are siding with the oppressors. And that is not my job to change. I am here to talk to the people who want to see the world change. I am here to talk to the people who know what needs to be done and are willing to do it. I do not care about people who want to sit here and argue about Marxism, who want to sit here and argue about communism from behind a computer, from on a podcast, from on their phone, while actively doing not a thing to build a socialist revolutionary movement here in the United States or wherever they are. The only people allowed to speak are the people who are fighting the bourgeoisie themselves. Those are the people who we should be listening to. And if I am speaking and you feel I don't have the uh, uh, authority or the experience to speak on this, well, good, because I'm not talking about my experience. I might be talking about my thoughts, but all of these thoughts come from studying the different movements that have existed in history. I spend so much time reading theory, and ultimately, this only gives me half of an understanding, but... As it seems, it's giving me a much better understanding than a majority of the Western quote-unquote Marxists. This is a problem, and something needs to be done about it immediately. And this is ultimately why I feel we need to be having these discussions. This is ultimately why I record these podcasts. Not because I think I'm smarter than anyone. I, I like to think of myself as someone who is growing their knowledge I like to think of myself as a learner, um, kind of my whole life. I've been super interested in, you know, if if I find a topic that I am interested in, I want to learn everything about it. Um, that's just kind of the way I've been my whole life. So, you know, sometimes I I get a bit frustrated. Sometimes I get a bit frustrated with people who are not that way. People who refuse to learn new ideas. Who do not accept anything that goes against their own worldview. You know, there's a good reason to get mad at these people. I grew up in an evangelical Christian home. There's a lot of reasons to get mad at these people. But here's the thing. Most of the time, if those people are not willing to change their mindsets, they're not willing to learn new ideas they are not willing to digest and investigate on their own these ideas which are being brought to them that they don't agree with at first, then this is not a person who is going to assist the struggle anyways. And this is not a person we should be wasting our energy on. Sure. Does this mean that every time you try to talk to someone that they don't immediately become a communist, that you should just completely give up? No. But what it does mean is that ultimately our struggle and our real power, our real revolutionary force, is going to come from oppressed people. It is going to come from the people who they themselves have suffered under capitalism. They themselves have suffered under imperialism. Now, these people, these folks who have had to live these awful lives, who have had to experience these awful things, I have far less of a belief that these folks will be so staunchly anti-communist as, you know, these armchair philosophers, these Western leftists who feel that communism in the same way that their American educators did is terrorism. Communism is authoritarianism, right? Well, what is the reality that we live in today? And can we expect that a socialist transition would make that better? I can't answer that question for you. But I can tell you that if I were speaking with truly oppressed people, with the impoverished folks, if I was speaking with indigenous people, if I was speaking with black and brown folks who they themselves have suffered oppression, it's a whole different conversation because socialism communism, and especially anti-capitalism, is their bread and butter. Their whole lives has been resistance against the system they live in. Their existence is resistance. This is the reality that most indigenous people live in. They do not have any kind of connection. They do not have a place, according to the United States and a lot of the people in the United States indigenous folks do not have a place to be they are not any you know part of of our human being communities etc they're not a part you know we think of indigenous people quite often as uh either either we view them as historically backwards or we view them as only existing historically. I mean, how many of us completely, completely disregard the indigenous struggles today? Mostly because we feel that these struggles are from the past. We feel that, well, indigenous people aren't really alive today. And that's not the truth. You know, we are completely made to forget about indigenous people. We are not taught properly about the true ways in which the indigenous people were massacred. They were misled. They had their land and their children stolen from them. They were overrun time and time again. And this is something that is still happening today. I mentioned line three in the Red Lake Lake Treaty Camp. This is colonization right now. Happening right in front of us. It's extended and continued colonization. I might call it imperialism as well. It is a reality for indigenous people that the only way that they survive is to resist, is to fight capitalism. Now, if you listen to the Red Nation podcast, if you listen to Bands of Turtle Island, You know that although this is true, that doesn't mean that every single indigenous person, every single feminist, every single uh, immigrant, or every single black and brown person is going to think immediately that communism is the way. No, they are still wrought with all kinds of propaganda. They are still filled with so much miseducation we each as individuals have to expect that we are not all going to be able to get to the same place, to get to the same ideas, to get to the same solutions at the same time. But if we're not doing anything to help bring people to these conclusions, if we are only supporting and pushing anti-Marxist and anti-communist ideals, if we are not organizing and connecting all these struggles to a class struggle, to a need to fight the worldwide bourgeoisie. For a need to fight our own national bourgeoisie. To overthrow capitalism. If we are not thinking about these things in this way, we are going to, and we are already, failing. Now, I said I wanted to come with a critique of capitalism. Or, excuse me. I said I wanted to come with a critique of... um. Left in the United States. Sorry, I'm at work trying to do something right now. Uh, And I don't want to say this in the sense that here's why I think the left is failing and, you know, Josh knows everything. And so if you just listen to me, we're going to succeed. No. What I am saying though is the way in which we come to correct ideas, the way in which we come to successful revolution. And the way in which that we actually are able to advance the struggle is through doing just that, advancing the struggle. We have to get down. We have to get down with everything that being anti-capitalist means. If you can't get down with violence, it is because capitalism has convinced you that you are not suffering from violence on a day-to-day basis. If someone were stepping on your foot and you were to say, get off my foot and they were to say no and you were to try to ask them kindly hey my foot hurts can you please get off of it and they said no and then you got a sign and you said hey look at my sign my sign says please step off my foot now or my sign says end stepping on foot for good well they might still turn around and say oh cool nice sign um no Tupac has an interview from, I think it's 1992, and he, he does a little brief discussion where he's trying to say to people, because they say, you know, the struggles for black liberation in the 60s and 70s were way different, or the 50s and 60s were way different than the struggles in the 70s and 80s, and somebody's trying to ask him, you know, why is it that people got violent? Why is it that things are different? And he kind of goes through this a little analogy where he says, well, imagine that, you know, you're, you're staying outside of a hotel building. You're houseless, right? And every single day, you wake up and you see them bringing huge trays of food into the hotel. And it smells so good. So you follow it right inside and you follow it right up to the door for the room where they're putting the food in. And they close the door in your face. Okay. Well, you might say, excuse me, sir. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I'm not trying to intrude, um, but I'm hungry. Uh, I, I see y'all got a lot of food in there. There's no way you could eat that all. Um, is there any chance I could, you know, you could spare some of that food? And they say no. Okay. Well, you might come back the next day and say, please, sir. I know yesterday you said no, but you know me, I'm really hungry. I need to eat something. I still haven't ate, um, I still haven't drank water. I need, I need something to eat. I need something to drink. And they say no. Well, you might come up with a nice little idea. You might come up with a little song. You might show up and say, please, sir, you have food in there. And, you know, try to do a little song and dance to be able to, you know, earn the food. But they still say no. Eventually, you're going to be coming walking in the door. And you're going to say, give me the goddamn food. Right now, before I fucking take it from you, and the way he says it, I think he's like, I'm coming in and blasting through the door. Like that's the shit. Is like when oppressed people don't eat, there's no morality to how they get that food. You know, it's like the the old saying of like, if you're poor, and you steal food for your children, did you do something wrong? If you feed your children with that stolen food did you do something wrong? We can't have this morality about revolution. There is a whole different morality to revolution. Right now, the way we think about things is through the context in which we are taught them. The phrase which Marx says in order to understand that, he says, social consciousness is determined by social being. We live under a capitalist bourgeois system. And therefore, our morality will be supported and based off of that capitalist bourgeois system. Now, can we honestly say with the way that the bourgeoisie, with the ruling class, the ruling elites, these massive uh, banking corporations, these massive military and extra-military projects, when you have stuff like Pegasus, The Israeli spyware, which has gotten multiple people killed. When you have things like this that exist, how do you look at that world and say, the morality which I have been taught within this world is the morality which is true? Because if you believe somehow that the way in which you have been taught to think about morals under a capitalist system is true, then you truly do not understand capitalism. You do not understand imperialism. You do not understand fascism. And you definitely do not understand authoritarianism. Because not for nothing, the United States and other capitalist powers are the most authoritarian governments in existence. They kill people on a day-to-day basis through laws. They kill people on a day-to-day basis through not feeding them. They kill people on a day-to-day basis by allowing the housing market to be a private as well as the healthcare system to be a private industry, they kill people by allowing them to die. That is why we are free in the United States. We are free to die. We are free to work or die. These are our options, but we are free to choose them. In the same way, you know, that we are free to choose whether or not we go to war when we're drafted, which if you didn't see, the United States military just changed their specifications that now women can be drafted, and the question that's going around is, "Hey, United States, why are you updating your draft policy why 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 are you updating your draft policy my friends and uh this is this is an issue this is an issue that we should be thinking about sincerely and seriously, but I bring up all of this to say that. This is the morality of the world that we live in. They will ship 18-year-olds off into a country to murder working-class people who have done nothing wrong to us, who have not hurt the American working class. These people whose countries we go into massacre, bomb, rape, destroy, pillage. They have not done anything to you or me. But we put on a U.S. military uniform and we go over there and we say we are fighting for our country. Really? Your country is thousands of miles away. No, you are fighting for imperialism. You are fighting for the expansion of capitalism. You are fighting for some rich oligarch, probably who has all of his money in oil, so that he can have new oil fields, new resources to exploit, new working people to exploit, a new land to exploit. You are doing that. That is what the US military does. And now, if you look at that reality, if you look at that country and you say that a violent revolution to overthrow the capitalist and imperialist hegemony in the world is immoral, then you, my friend, again, are part of the enemy. I don't care. What needs to be done against one of the most violent regimes is overtake it violently. If you cannot understand this, I implore you to read the first chapter of Wretched of the Earth by Frantz Fanon called On Violence and understand the reality that you obviously are choosing not to understand. You are ignorant, and that is ignorant either by miseducation or, again, if you call yourself a leftist and uphold anti-communism and anti-Marxism in this way, then you are Not only ignorant by miseducation, but you are ignorant by your own choice to not see the world from outside of your own two eyes. I can't get down with anybody like that. And ultimately, we have very little time to be spending on people like that. If you know that capitalism is bad, but you stop halfway, guess what? I don't care what it is that you're planning to do. You will fail. Folks from Marx, Engels, Lenin, Stalin, Mao, Ho Chi Minh, um, you have Hugo Chavez, you have all these, Fidel Castro, you have uh, uh, Thomas Sankara, Patrice Lumumba, all of these different people knew, knew this. They did not have to be taught this. They knew that when their opportunity came, they knew what to do. They knew how they had to act because Individuals within their communities got down with them and said, "Hey, you know how they keep killing our children? They keep cutting our hands off for not working in the farm. They are cutting outside our throats. They are, you know, hanging us. They are doing all these things to us for not working." Well, guess what? No more. Here's your gun. Let's go. They knew that shit. They didn't need to sit there and have multiple teachings. They didn't need to go into the community and have protest after protest after protest just in the hope that a few people will come to an organization, which is not going to the people and asking them what they want. This is not how these things work. And if you are standing here and trying to tell me that you think this will work, that the compromises and half steps that you are not able to see through successfully, if you think that will win, then you have no idea what you're doing. Truly, no idea. Not a goddamn understanding. Because you know what's really cool about revolution? Is after you succeed, the entire world circles you. Look at what happens to North Korea. Look at what's happening to China. Look at what's happening to Cuba. The world is encircling them. And challenging them. And saying, keep it up. See what happens. If we, here in the United States. And in these other capitalist and imperialist nations. If we don't have successful socialist revolution soon, these people will die. They will die from starvation, from embargoes and sanctions that our country put on their leaders so that they cannot get food. In Iran, people will die in the hundreds of thousands from HIV because the United States sanctions has not allowed HIV medication to go into Iran in over five years. The people will die in Somalia, because their homes will be destroyed from bomb strikes in Washington, from drone strikes. If we do not stop this now, we are going to watch everybody around us die. With climate crisis on the rise, sea levels rising, different environments becoming uninhabitable not only for humans, but for plant life and animal life. With different lakes getting so hot, like the lake by the Red Lake Treaty Camp getting so hot that it boils alive, the crustaceans in there, and kills them. When oil spills go into the Mississippi River and we can't drink the water anymore, what will we have to say then? Well, we didn't want to have a violent revolution. We didn't want to kill anybody. We didn't want to, do any, we didn't want to have any mistakes. We only wanted people to do things right. Well, guess what? We are doing everything wrong. And until we start doing something right, these people are going to keep dying. And that a hundred percent is on the shoulders of us who call ourselves communists, who call ourselves socialists and anarchists, yet are doing not a goddamn thing to show that. We have to overthrow capitalism. We have to destroy the bourgeois state. We have to destroy the world ruling class. We have to Rid the world of imperialism, of oppression, of exploitation. And this can only be done through a violent series of acts which eliminates the people, the practices, the economics, the exploitation that is leading to this oppression and this suffering. That is the only way you're still listening to this i appreciate you very very much um if you could please go ahead and check out my social media on instagram tiktok facebook and twitter at in defense of liberation um also if you could for me please go donate to the red lake treaty camp please go look at how if you can you can get there to stand with the comrades and the water protectors there um please take whatever social media, whatever presence you have, and spread the uh the the word about what's going on at line three. Um spread the word about the need for supporting the indigenous struggles all over the world. What's happening in Brazil right now with the Amazon just being signed away by the fascist Bolsonaro government? Uh for, forha, uh Bolsonaro, throw him out, get rid of him, the struggle there uh amongst the communist the Brazilian Communist Party and other groups which are coming together for a unified front to uh, to impeach Bolsonaro, uh, this is something that we need to support. The indigenous action in uh, Brasilia to overthrow the power structures there, the indigenous people are saying we are not leaving Brasilia unless the Amazon is ours. This is it. This is the only way that we can succeed. And the indigenous people know this. Black and brown people know this. Women, femme folks, non-binary folks, transgender folks, they know what needs to be done. They just need supporters. So let's get out there and support them. Not in words, but in direct action, which the oppressed people know and know how to do it. So let's get with them and let's build this revolution. You can also hit me up at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. No caps, no spaces. Um, please reach out. Please, uh, you know, talk to me. Let me know what shows you want to see me try to go on or have on my show. Uh, let me know what it is you feel my show could do better. Um, let me know you disagree with me on, I'm a stupid commie bastard who should kill himself. Just hit me up, y'all. Um, everybody have a great day. Stay safe. Stay revolutionary. Stay, uh, you know, as sane and as hopeful and possible. And, uh, Let's have a proletarian revolution, why don't we? We Y'all stay safe.